Sharpen that booger picking finger. Basically, I could sit here and talk a whole hour about bees. Okay, we inseminated the queen. Ooh. I would say, delete that. Yeah! About squillions of dollars and squillions of people. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me war horse! Contact the Power Rangers at once. Hey, it's Lars from Metallica. I'm about to stick 50 grand up your ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh! Hello, Sandman. This is Metallichat, the official unofficial companion podcast of all things Metallica. I am your co-host, Stephen Schaefer, and along with me... It's Remy Hall. Today, we are not here necessarily to talk about Metallica. Uh, we are here to, to, to... Yeah, who who are we talking about? Those, those four boys? The boys? Uh, no, we're here to talk about some other boys uh, and do a little impromptu episode on... Uh, the new Weezer album, OK Human, which which dropped with with some surprise, I think. No, we can't do that on an episode of Metallica. That'd be absurd. No, no. It's, I'm trying to think. Metallica news. Let's talk about it um, real quick. There, there. It's been a, it's been a hot minute since we did an episode. Oh man. Um, they're apparently recording an album themselves. That's the word on the street. Uh, that's what that's what Lars has spoken to at least in interviews. It sounds like it's moving very slowly. Because uh, they're all Kirk's in Hawaii, James oh, is in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like literally that. all in different cities. I, it looks like Rob and Kirk hang out a decent amount. I think they I'm like so surf. That makes that, that warms my little heart. They're best buddies. It makes me so so happy. Oh, um, I can picture them skipping in the sand together. Yeah, I don't know where mm-hmm. honestly. I don't know where Rob lives. Which I feel like I should know the information. Like I should know where he lives. He doesn't live anywhere, Stephen. He exists. Yeah. He's just a yeah. force that moves. He's like the winds. You know, I out of any of them, that he's the most free spirited. I think. No, it's just one of those things. Like, as a co-host of Metallica podcast, like I feel like I should know where they all live. You know what I mean? That's. I mean, maybe. But that's a, that's a that's a lot. I couldn't tell you like where I think any musician lives. If there was any musician that you should know where they live, who would it be? Ah, uh, Ben Folds. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. Background. See, now here's the problem. <laughs> now she starts chiming in, and no one can hear her. <laughs> Wait, no, I can hear. Her. She sounds great. Oh, really? Yeah. I can hear perfectly. You serious? I'm I'm serious. But now the problem is there's no stopping her. She has full <laughs> control. Ben Folds, you would if there was any artist you should know where they live, it'd be Ben Folds. Yeah, I um Kirk Kirk lives in Hawaii. This is why look, this is why we recorded this podcast today was to talk about where three of the four members of Metallica live, right? Absolutely. And just wonder about the fourth. Not look it up, not try to educate ourselves, just wonder. You know, if I did some Instagram snooping on Rob, uh, I could probably figure it out. But yeah, I, I can't imagine um, they're living in different cities. I can't imagine trying to uh, put together an album like that. That's just not that's not realistic. <laughs> um, there was news actually today. We're, so we're recording this on on February the second. Um, Metallica is performing on the Stephen Colbert show uh, the oh. night the night of the Super Bowl, like after the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I imagine they're just doing like Sandman or puppets or something, but I always love to see them boys getting out there doing their thing. You know what I mean? 
I know what you mean. I, I hear what you're saying. Picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. They have, they have a good rapport with Colbert. They they did the Colbert show. What was the Colbert show called? The Colbert the Colbert Report? Yes. Yeah. They did that a few times and then they've been on his late show or whatever it is now a few times. I used to okay, I I, I want to get real with you here for a second. Please. I, I love the Colbert Report. I've I'm kind of annoyed by Stephen Colbert ever since. Really? I don't know what it is. There's something about the modern late night talk show host, like cave, like like network talk show host, that is just homogenous, and 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 of the all the people who I didn't expect to kind of round his edges, it was him. Yeah. Any sense? Yeah, hundred percent. It a hundred percent makes sense, and I think like I have a real nostalgia for like the talk show format. Like I really like late night talk shows like that, yeah. but. At the same time, I feel like we've kind of evolved past what that model is. Like, I, it's it's hard for them to be fun or edgy or different now. They all feel kind of the same, I think, to your point, like homogenized. Um, but I will say, I think he got out of doing the, the Colbert Report like shtick at the right time. Because I don't oh. think he would have been able to pull that off. <laughs> like, it's, it's not funny anymore. It isn't. No, sadly. Um I still like the dude though. I don't, I never watched that show. I don't watch any of them, but, um, but I still like the dude. He seems cool. Is there anything else you got? Should we, should we, <laughs> should we talk about Weezer? Uh, okay. So should it, we end this? Yeah, we should probably end this. You know what? We should probably start, um, start that other podcast okay. that we do re- regularly. Okay. Let's get into that. In your pod, no one knows the things we do. Hello, buddy Holly. Welcome to, I don't remember how this intro goes, I'm just making it up. I was trying to chime in and I was just freezing. Hey, hey there, Hashpipe. Welcome to another episode of uh, Come to My Pod, the official unofficial compendium podcast of all things Weezer. I'm your co-host, Stephen Schaefer, along with me. I'm Remy Hall. And today, uh, we'll be talking like we do on every episode of Come to My Pod about one of Weezer's studio albums. Uh, This episode, we'll be talking about 2021's, uh, their latest album, OK Human. Now, you were giving me the background of this this album, uh, not long ago, can you can you give that to our, our fellow listener here? Yes, um, yeah. Let's talk about how they got here because it's been it's been a weird journey. Um, so, OK Human has been an album that Rivers has talked about in interviews for a long time. It's been in there in the pipe for a long time. I think he's had like the plan and kind of the theme together for a while. So, they recorded this album in 2019, just kind of on their own. Um, we'll get into kind of, it's a very different sounding album, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is and it isn't, but it sounds like Weezer, but it's also different in a lot of ways. So they had this vision of what they wanted to do. They recorded it in 2019. And then um, Green Day and Fall Out Boy, I think it was Green Day that put together kind of a tour. They were like, hey, we want to do like this big arena rock stadium kick-ass uh, 
rock and roll show together. We want to tour together. Kind of like old school, right? Like kind of almost like 80s era, like rock yes. and roll, more rock. Yes. And like very much that vibe with the three of them uh, and like kind of co-headlining. And Rivers and Weezer were kind of like, well, that sounds great, but we just recorded an album that is like 180 degrees from what that is. So as how Rivers is, he's always writing. They were just like, well, let's get in the studio and make like an arena rock album. So they did that. It's called Van Weezer. Uh, it was scheduled to be released last. God, the release date has shuffled so many times for that album. Uh, I think it was like last May, I think. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. Wait, what? So, yeah, I don't know where you've been, but uh, things have been sitting here playing. Yeah, I've just been setting up this TV, it feels like, for an eternity. <laughs> well, and we normally record virtually, so it makes right. perfect sense. Um, so COVID happened, the pandemic happened, all music touring basically shut down for all intents and purposes. And um, with that tour being delayed, they're still supposed to do that tour, I guess, later this year, if that, if that happens. Um, the album got delayed as well because they didn't want to release Van Weezer without that kind of accompanying tour. And that makes more sense now to me. I kind of, at the time, I chuffed a little bit when they were like, well, the tour is delayed, so we're going to delay the album too. I remember you chuffed and you chuffed. I did. I chuffed a lot. And um, thank you for putting up with my chuffing. And well, so part of it was also they they deleted an entire year. I was like, you're going to delay an album that you release singles for uh, an entire year. But I was like, okay, whatever. So they've been kind of radio silent since then. Uh, Rivers does a lot of like, he does a lot of like Instagram live kind of things and just like plays tunes and like answers questions. But there wasn't a lot happening in Weezer World, um, which is also the theme park they're going to. They're gonna launch as Weezer World, well, and it's been delayed, like like uh, Mario yeah. Land in Japan. Yeah, well, and they got into some discrepancies with like the labor around it, but we won't get into that. Um, but two weeks ago, there was an announcement, mm-hmm. kind of out of the blue. I I really, <laughs> um, <laughs> I I really didn't have my finger on the pulse of like Weezer. I really, really wasn't paying attention. But they, I think it was like two Mondays ago, they were just like, hey. Um, our new album, OK Human, is going to come out on January 29th. Um, the first single is going to come out this Thursday. And don't worry, Van Weezer is still going to come out in May. But we just had this kind of album done and in the vault, and we're just going to release it. So it's called OK Human. Um, the first single they released that Thursday is called All My Favorite Songs. Uh, let's... Let's do us first talk about just the single, because that was kind of our first. <clears throat> it's up to you. You said you wanted to kind of get some stuff off your chest, uh, and because okay, so for the listener, Weezer's a band that we both loved for a long time. Especially if you've listened to the podcast, if you pick that up, um, I, I kind of have refused up until the point that we started recording to tell Stephen anything. <clears throat> he told I told him like if it's a I like it or I don't like it, I do like it. Uh, yeah. So it's up to you. Do you want? Because if we start talking single. I mean, it's the first uh, yeah. time we might roll into it. So it, it, I, I'd say go with your overall thoughts. Okay, I'll, I'll just kind of give you, that. I like that. And I'll just kind of give you my overall thoughts of like the single and then listening to the album. Okay. Um, when the single came out, I, so they recorded this album with a 38 piece like string band, an orchestra. And that was a big piece of it. Um, 
and it's kind of stripped back. That was like the things they could talk about. It's like, it's a stripped back album. It's not like a heavy, chunky guitar riffy album. That's not what it is. They, I think they call it like a Baroque, like pop rock album, what they call it. Um, all my favorite songs. I initially liked the melody and like the composition of it a lot. I liked mm-hmm. the, the sound of it. The, the lyrics for me really like were underwhelming. And I think that's a common thing with like the last four or five Weezer records or even Weezer. Like I would let's say, almost see, like let's, let's pause right there and just talk overall. Uh, there are things on Pinkerton that I think come across as potentially more poetic than they actually are because they are specifics and because they are personal. I don't think he's ever been a spectacular lyricist. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, I think in hindsight, a lot of that stuff plays really well because even with the Blue album, with Blue and Pinkerton, they were kind of ahead their time ahead of their time as far as the things they were talking about in the songs of really? like being a nerd and playing in a garage, referencing like D and D and X Men. Like that wasn't stuff that fans Tell did me. at the time. That wasn't cool, and it was very authentic because of that. And I think he's latched on to that songwriting and being very referential and very modern. And and he's more than anything like I think he's a savant songwriter but i don't think lyricism is his strength by any means um i think he's a riff machine and i think he knows how to make hooks like nobody's business yeah um so i would i would totally agree with you i think pinkerton um and the blue album like have stood the test of time a little bit because of like i think the time they were released into um and i'm sure people our age probably have a little more nostalgia and fondness for those albums than those who have grown up with like the green album and um, make believe and the red album and, and stuff that's kind of later era Weezer. I'm sure they have a very, like the Beverly Hills crowd plays a very different perception of Weezer than, than maybe we do. Yeah. That's a weird person to try to even conceptualize in my head. But I'm sure they, it's almost like, like when I think of Weezer, I think of they're very poppy. They're very poppy, but I think of an alt rock band and like that's where they started. And I think to a lot of people, they're probably more of like a pop rock band. But yeah, what are labels? Truly. I mean, but I, I, I think they're pretty poppy. I, they, they throw a curveball every now and then, but they're very pop rock. Yeah. Yeah. Pop rock, pop rock. So is this an episode of pop rock, pop rock? <laughs> it is. It's just watching Bob Robbie pop, pop rocks. Ooh, ooh, say that. Bob Robbie. Bob Rocky. It's pop rock. Bob Rock eats Pop Rocks. Bob. Bob Rock. I wish he would do a Weezer album. He would he would get them somewhere, I tell you. Um so all my favorite songs I, I liked. Like it, it's hooky, it's really catchy, it gets stuck, it's an earworm, it gets stuck in your head, but it didn't like That's blow me away. Right. Didn't blow me away. So the album comes out last Friday. We're recording this on the Tuesday after it, its release. Um, I listened to it while I, I had some work to do where I could actually listen to stuff for a while. Plugged it in. It's a short album. You know, it's like 34 Which minutes long. Totally. I, I love a short album. And honestly, a Weezer album in particular should be pretty dang short. I think that's kind of their, their strong suit. It comes um, in at about one hybrid theory. Is that how you measure time? Just overall? Yeah. Yeah, hybrid theories. It's about thirty-five minutes, and I believe eight seconds. I love, I love you so much for that. 
I, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm going to look it up now because I'm sure I'm wrong, but hey, I'll do it later. I'm going to fuck some shit up. It's about like, um, it's probably like a 0.4 the length of like a St. Anger. Mm, yes. Sadly. Um, okay. Listen to it on Friday when it came out. Yeah. Uh, I was like, okay. I, I was, I was kind of just working and absorbing it. I wasn't trying to like overanalyze it. I was just letting it wash over me like a great wind, a great Rob Trujillo. And, um, I was like, it's pretty dang good. It's like, it's different. I like the orchestration of it. I like what they're going for here. Um, but it's one of those ones where I was like, I need to like, just have it on repeat. Like, let it sit with me for a little bit. I didn't have a lot of like strong, big takeaways initially. And I've probably listened to it. Probably no joke, like 10 times since wow. then. And that's it's, but it's not long, you know, it's like, I can put it in and like unload the dishwasher and load it and like do some chores and, and it runs the album. Um, I'll just put it on front street. I fucking love this album. Um, it's probably, I think it's the most interesting, introspective, uh, brave thing they've done in a long, long time. If I had to rank it right now, I need to sit with it longer. It's probably my third favorite Weezer record behind blue and Pinkerton. Um, and in a lot of ways, it reminds me of Pinkerton. Not, I think I mentioned this to you. I can't remember. It's it not like, not in the quality of it. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. compare it quality-wise, but just where he's coming from, um, it feels much more vulnerable than he's written before. It has all of the hallmarks of like modern Rivers lyrics, but it is like couched in this, like it's all related to like this theme of like analog experiences and um what it means to have those and how we how we're leveraging technology today like it's it's a very digital analog thing and the fact that the album was recorded analog um and the composition of it like there's just a lot of merriments that i like about it that work for me um i think it helps that he wrote all of it by himself like most weezer records are mostly him but some of their single stuff is written you know in in team i think it helps that it was just him kind of by himself and then he brought it to the band to do um because it feels like very much his driving force and it feels like a lot of like the do you ever listen to like those alone sessions those like rivers albums that are just you know i haven't i've always been intrigued by them though that's some of the stuff that he did like when he was in school right yeah it feels some of this feels like that uh and i i say that as a compliment as a as a positive thing um jake sinclair is the producer of this album he also produced the white album for them Oh, okay. Uh, Which I like the production on that album. Yeah, yeah. And I think outside of this album, the White Album is probably my other favorite, like late era Weezer album. Like it's it's a more traditional, heavy guitar, chunky kind of, you know, riff heavy album. And it's great. I really, really like it. This one feels just a little more cohesive to me. Um, Rivers doesn't play guitar at all on this album. There's not um, a guitar on the album in general. Does not. Um, and I think Brian does most of the other stuff. The drums are, the whole mix of it is really solid and it's more subdued. I don't think Rivers has maybe ever sounded better just from a vocal standpoint. Like he sounds really good on this album. Um, but like the mix of it, like him and the strings, the drums, Pat is tearing it up on the drums on this album. Um, he's not overdoing it, but it's it's yeah, very it's complimentary. Really, it's re- he really pulls back, but it's effective. 
Yeah. There are also he some goes for like, the, like rock star drummer thing. Sometimes he lands a little short. Yeah. He's kind of one of those like he's not like um, you know people dog on like Phil Rudd or like those very basic drummers of like ACDC and stuff. Like Pat is very much a backbone drummer, but he is like as solid as you can get um, with what he brings. Um, it's what what blew my mind a lot really with it is like although the composition is very different and it's very string and like piano heavy, God damn, is it hooky? Like so many of these songs, I, and even not, not even all my favorite songs, but like there's a couple of the tracks on here that are just like flat out singles. And I can't believe that all my favorite songs was the first track they released off this, but like, it's so fucking hooky. Um, like it's one of those things that like, I, I've just been living in this album because even when I'm not listening to it, it's just like constantly running in my head. And it's not like it's one song. Like, I'm jumping from track to track. Let me butt in here with uh, my overall opinion. Bring it to me. Steven, I love it. It's the best album they've put out in 20 years. <laughs> I, I Everything you've been saying, I agree with. Every single thing. I think it's about probably my third or fourth favorite album of theirs. I think it's, it's just, it's hook after hook after hook. Um, I think the best compliment I can give it, and this is uh, not to minimize any accomplishments that they've made or anything, but this is truly is a compliment because he's my favorite musician. This is a like this is Weezer doing a Ben Folds album in a big way, in a big, big, big way. Um, very poppy, very, very produced but subdued. That's that's very much a kind of especially more recent Ben Folds thing. Uh, all the strings, all the piano. Um, it's still very rivers, but it has this, I don't know how to put it, but it's just got this quality about it that, that really reminds me of him. I, I, that aside, I think it's just, there's not a song on here that I hate. I think I have one that's the least favorite. That's just, you know, it's, it's okay, but I won't skip it. Um, I can't remember. I've listened to it three times. Two of those times were today. Um, I can't remember. I think the last album I listened to twice in one day was Hardwire. Uh, I I love it. I, I think it's great. I've got it, it's 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 underwhelming, and it's not a bad thing. There's nothing um, like I think Abby overall is just kind of not mad, but you know likes it. But it's just kind of there. Um, but I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it needs the attention. I don't think it's looking for the attention. I think it's just looking to exist. And I feel like it accomplishes that. Um, it's just kind of, it, it's what's good about Pinkerton. It's, it's Rivers wanting, having these things on his chest and, and just needing to get them out there. He doesn't care necessarily how many people hear it. He wasn't banking on their second album to be this giant dynamite success when it's all about him complaining about his girlfriend. But <laughs> because it's, raw because it's real it there's an effect there and i don't think this is as raw i don't necessarily know that it's or feel like it's less real because there's certainly a few moments in this album that are just kind of like whoa like yes yeah. um and we'll get to it i don't want to go not not take a long time with it but i want to go track by track with it um but yeah i i, I love it i think i think it does feel like a Rivers Cuomo album. I don't really feel like there's a lot, and again, not to take anything from, from their performances, but I just don't feel like there's a whole lot 
behind the, the drums and the, the usual instruments you find in the band. Um, I feel like they're kind of taking a step back in a good way. Uh, or I think they'll get a chance that I think that's what uh, Van Weezer is going to be all about. It's all their time to shine, right? You'll have yeah. really, you're screaming a full head off, but you also get your solos and your fucking, you know, like, they'll have their time to play. And I just like that they, and this is a very 2021 album. I, I think if they'd come out with Van Weezer, they would have, it would have just been too much energy for. We don't need any more energy right now. We have plenty of that. <laughs> yeah. And it would have just kind of stoked the wrong fires, I think. And this one, um, I just really like. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I that makes me so happy to hear because I was like so intrigued and, and curious of your thoughts. And that was like, that was truly like beautifully said. Like you, you, um, extrapolated a lot of things that like I was trying to put into words very, very eloquently. Um, I, the Ben Folds thing is interesting because I've read that and I've read a lot of reviews on this album just cause I want to hear what other people think about it. And um, I've listened to a lot of Rivers interviews as well. Cause he's, he's done a lot of press for this album, which is pretty cool to hear him open up about it. And I've seen Ben Folds mentioned many times as far as like, really? this reminds me of, but yeah, that, and even like Ben Queller uh, people have mentioned uh, and it also breaks my heart because when they were originally writing this album, they had they had talked about and considered doing a small tour that was this album and Pinkerton with an, a live orchestra with strings. Oh, and fuck. I mean, <laughs> I'm not. I, I imagine they would have done a very select amount of dates, but like just to, for them to but do the that. The recording would, would be out there. You would hear it. Yeah. Yes. Pinkerton would have been astounding. Yeah. Um. I'm glad to hear that like you made that connection too to 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 Pinkerton. I I agree it's not as vulnerable and it's obviously it's coming from a different place from a a man who's I don't know how old he is if he's in his 40s or if he, he's probably in his late 40s. He's ageless. He's he's a fucking weird little elf. <laughs> yeah. Um but he's certainly coming from a different place but you're you're absolutely spot on in my opinion that it's like very much a god it's a 2020 2021 album. Like even if he wrote it in 2019, like so much of it is about uh, isolation and like struggling with like these different facets of your life. Um, and it has all the, God, he name checks. Of course, like the big one everyone's talking about is like the audible mention and like, uh, the I do like of, it made us both it, laugh. It fucking rules. Um, and that's normally the stuff that drives me nuts with Weezer songs is like when he name checks bullshit like that. But here it feels very purposeful. Like, it's I think the, coming the out worst of, and best example of that, it's a song I like, but I do kind of hate the concept of is Pork and Beans. It's like it shouldn't, it, sh- it's, it should grate me more than it does, and I get why yeah. people don't like it. But, uh, there, there are so many Weezer songs where I'm like, the everything about it I absolutely love, except the lyrics are dog shit. That is yeah. so many Weezer songs to me. And for some reason, whatever he pulled off here works. Um, I, I like the more I listen to it, the more I love like the referential stuff in it, just because it feels very native to what it is. Um, do you want to get in a little bit of like the, the track by track? Yeah, just a little bit. I got, a, I got a few notes per song here. Nothing crazy. Yeah. Um, all my favorite songs. I um, I think we talked about it. I think it's 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 a good type of, it's like a background, kind of what we ended up feeling about the album as a whole. Um, it just, it's a good background song. It's a good background single. It's not, again, 
bombastic and it doesn't try to really reach out and grab you, but it's super catchy. It's super fucking catchy. I can't stop getting it stuck in my head. Uh, very Beatlesy, especially with the uh, the stuff toward the end with the the horn. Is it, is it a horn that comes in? Um. Yeah. All the favorite songs toward the end. It's that very like it's that very Sergeant Pepper'sy horn. That yeah. Comes in. And it really works. It yeah, this album has a lot of you know, Rivers talks a lot about his influences as like the Beatles and the Beach Boys. And this has a lot of both of those. Oh, I haven't even I considered the Beach Boys. There's totally a lot of Beach Boys in Yeah. Even like if you go back and listen to a lot of the blue album, the stuff that's not like heavier or, or you know, kind of wheezery, a lot of it is very, very beach. Like Surf Wax America for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in like tone. Um but it's cool because the other the other refer- or the other influences he always references are like Van Halen and Kiss, and so for him to for them to do Van Weezer next is going to be a cool one two punch because it's like here's our soft kind of introspective side, and then it's just going to be like a balls to the wall like rock album, which is right. very cool. I, I, love I, love it. I think it's really clever. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. Um, it's all my favorite songs is super catchy. You know, it's grown on me a little bit, um, just because I think it works better in the context of the album than it does on its own. Like, it kind of sets the tone of, like, the, the the lyrics initially hit me as, like, very dumb and very simple. It was just, like, mm-hmm. oversimplified for me. But it kind of acts as a good setup to the album. It's like, yeah, this is going to be kind of an emo experience for a little bit. So, you know, buckle up. Alu Gobi. So what the fuck's that name about? I, I'm, I traditionally... Uh in traditional metallic chat style have not uh, looked up Jack shit about these lyrics. I actually don't know what Alo Gobi yeah. means or what it's referencing. It's some sort of horrible slur. It's apparently a curry dish. Oh, okay. It's a vegetarian dish Gobi Gobi does from the stuff. Indian subcontinent made with potatoes, cauliflower, and Indian spices. Stop telling me about Alo Gobi now. <laughs> Um, this was I honestly, I, I really like this song. Um, yeah. it gave me like from the get go, it gave me super strong, like Pinkerton vibes, even from the lyrics. Uh, cause he kind of comes yeah, in songs, all soft spoken. Yeah. And the, the chorus is like, it's the same thing where it's like the instrumentation and like, it comes in heavy with the strings at the beginning, but once the chorus punches in, like, all of these songs, when I look at the titles, I can hum them in my head, which is saying something like, that's yeah, unreal. 100%. I was just scanning the list, and it was like I was just going track by track through the album. Yeah, I, I honestly don't have a lot. I really like kind of the flow of that song. It, it doesn't stop. It, it, not just the kind of standard rhythmic stuff. It's just like it's, it's almost relentless. It's also a pretty short song, if I'm not mistaken. And it just kind of starts and just kind of ends. Yeah. I like that most of the songs run into each other as well. Like most of them connect. There's not like hard breaks between a lot of the songs. Oh, some of them are hard to distinguish. I didn't realize looking at the, because uh, when I first played it, I just brought it up, I played, put down my phone, I didn't touch it again. And I, I didn't even look at the list. I didn't realize there were actually like a dozen tracks. It feels like there's nine maybe because they all do just kind of butt up against each other. Yeah. And there's two tracks that are almost like interludes. Uh, there's one track that's like a minute 17 and there's one track that's 24 seconds that are like kind of just segues, but they're, oh, one of them is astounding to me. We'll get to it. 
So let's talk grapes of wrath. Yeah. Um, how familiar are you with Man Man? Man Man? Do you know the band Man Man? I do not. Teach me. We're going to do a fucking Man Man episode. Okay. You and me and our beards, we're going to listen to some goddamn Man Man. Uh, okay. If they're not like, if they, if they don't let them, don't let don't let their name make you think they're misogynist or anything like that. They're uh, this really kick-ass alt-rock band that's like heavy on baritone sax and just really the like darkest, grittiest, grungiest pop band I can think of. They're super poppy. They're horribly depressing if you listen to their lyrics, but they're uh, it's all, it's just it's been, they're fantastic. There's a lot of okay. moments in this album, particularly this track. I'm just kind of the, the up and down. I hope somebody that's listening to this understands that reference. I am adding them to my Spotify right now. So I remember to listen to them. Um, I, I think this should have been like the lead single. This, like yes. to me, this is uh, like a no brainer. I think there's one I would put before this, but I think it's just because my favorite, but yes, uh, this one, the, it's just, it's just, it's, it, it, it just, it's like an eight bit song. It just kind of pops around in your head like popcorn. Yeah. I'll be honest, getting through these first few tracks, like past all my favorite songs, but like uh, Alu Gobi, Grapes of Wrath, and then Numbers, I was like blown away. And I was like, when is he going to fuck this up? Because like, I know him too well, where I was like, it's going to, this is going to drop real hard, where it's just like the rest of the album is terrible. I think that uh, actually (laughs) is what I was feeling the first time, because I was like, I felt like unable to like it because I wouldn't let myself like it. And then by the time when I got to the end and it just stopped, I'm like, oh, oh, nothing collapsed horribly. There was no Beverly Hills on this album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it made us both laugh with kind of the specific with this song in particular. Um, I really like the, the staccato strings. They're just very in your face. Uh, very much in, in lieu of guitar in this song in my opinion. Uh, totally. Uh, it it, it kind of makes me think of like when you do fake violin. I know it's a cello doing it, but it, it's just very. Yes. Um, it it has I that mean, like chunky guitarness that they're missing. Like they're supplementing right. that with these like very tight strings. Yeah. And that's the thing that Ben Folds does specifically on uh, Songs for Silverman, his 2005 album. Uh, that uh, it just yeah, it, there's something. Not punctual, that's the wrong word. Punctuating yeah. um, about it. Um, I really like the chorus. I really like how the background vocals come in in the second, third chorus. Um, it also has I can't I can't think of how it goes right now, but I wrote it down in my notes. It has that weird like post-chorus thing that it does. Uh, the, uh, uh, the I just don't care. Just, yeah. It's 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 not part of the chorus. It's after the chorus. Yeah. But it's it's just this weird. It works really really well. Uh, Thematically, like this is where when you hear like the audible name check, you're kind of like it it brussels at you a little bit. At least it did for me. Um, But then the more I got into it, and like I listened to an interview with him talking about the song, and like literally his inspiration was like, like at the end of the day, a lot of times I want to read, but I'm just like so exhausted mentally that I can't like sit there and read a book. So he'll lay down in his bed and like put in headphones and listen to like an audible book. Um, And as dumb as it is, like I find that incredibly relatable because a lot of times I'll just like 
plug in a podcast like as i'm falling asleep you know i plug in like a headphone and i was like holy shit like he's talking about being in this like existence where he's kind of checking out and escaping via that and i'm tethering on to like this piece of you know technology or like this audiobook is like this form of escapism and how it, it's very like surface level but at the same time it's it's somehow deeper than that as well which is like a line that's really hard to toe and usually i don't think he goes past at all and a lot of times these types of songs just feel like they're reaching for stuff and it feels like he's not reaching for stuff it feels very organic and that's i think that's part of what really resonates with this album is it's just it like you were saying about kind of references it, it just doesn't it's not there to be there i don't feel yeah. like there's anything in this album that's just there to be there um okay let's talk about numbers is this one's a little b-side to me it's not a bad song it just it feels very early on the album for this for this particular track it's a little b-side i um agree with you and i've seen a lot of people on like the weezer subreddit and even like reviews of people writing about it like cite this is one of their favorite songs um it's i, I think the chorus is very strong um and I, and I like the lyrics and kind of the composition of it it's just kind of it is like a lull and i think it's intentionally a lull you know yeah. after you get through those first few songs but um it's, yeah it doesn't stand out to me quite as much as as the the few that precede it um it, 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 it's a, it feels like like 90s brit pop it feels like it's got tones of oasis in it it's got a little uh like the production is very citizen cope if you're familiar um okay yeah yeah um just kind of 90s as fun uh, like late 90s like brit rock um a little bit who's that who does uh somewhere only we know it has a little bit of that in there too <laughs> I haven't thought of that song. Keen, Keen. I actually like that album. That's a good album. I like that song. Yeah, there's a few. Uh, Gosh. Yeah. I forgot Me about Keen. Isla connected over Keen, yeah. yeah. Keen and uh, David Gray. Cool. Um, okay, let's talk about playing my piano. Okay, let's do that. This was one that actually, like, really, really blew me away. So... Yeah, go ahead. Um, it feels some of this album feels like a musical, uh, and I think that part of that's the strings. But this is one that really felt almost like a musical number to me. Um, when you get into like the lyrical content of it, like it is about like the you know what I pulled from this is like he has all these facets of his life, um, and like talking about getting way through his piano is like this conduit where he can focus on this one thing and be present and really just like escape from everything like and not in an escapism way but really like dive a hunt you know bring a hundred percent of himself into one thing and like just absorb it and 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 um get into it like i thought that was it's it's a beautiful song and the chorus of the song like the change that it takes with the piano and kind of the ooing behind it um like gives me chills it still gives me chills when i listen to it okay so famously Ben Fold's improv songs. Um, he there's a song called "Rock This Bitch" on his live album that is just somebody yells the words "Rock This Bitch" at him, and he just says "Rock This Bitch" and then bangs out a song. He does that all the time. Um, when I saw him live one time, um, he told us his favorite joke, um, which is a, a pirate walks into a bar with the captain's wheel down the front of his pants. Bartender says, "Why is there a captain's wheel down the front of your pants?" He says, "Ah, it's driving me nuts." 
and he turned that into a song. He just every time you see him, he will just bang out a song. This reeks of Rivers Rivers Cuomo sitting down and just playing this like and this just being a jam in, in the best way. I love it. This is one of my favorite tracks on here, but it feels like this was the first take and he just produced the fuck out of it. If that makes any sense. Totally. Totally. It um I think he does a lot of that. And that's interesting too because we talked before on the show about how he does like that algorithm stuff for like his lyrics a lot of times. This stuff feels so much more stream of conscious to me where I'm sure he's doing some of that, but it feels much more like connected, you know, just thematically. Very much so. Um, it kind of, so it goes into the chorus and like, that's when the piano comes in strong. Um, and then it, the second verse like takes a different nature than the, than the first. Yeah. Um, and I love the, the, okay, the second verse, a cup of Java at the edge of the keys dripping down from major to mix a Lydian, put on some white noise, double bolt the door. Kim Jong Un could blow up my city. I'd never know. No uh, one else can 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 write that besides Rivers Cuomo. That second verse, or that second kind of half to it in particular, uh, there's a man man song called Shameless that that reminds me of. Um, also, if you're looking for a fun man man song, uh, they're both off the same album. Uh, the other one is uh, Piranhas, something about piranhas. Okay. Uh, those are the two I'd recommend. But they, the, that one, the Piranha one relates to the song uh, to Grapes of Wrath. And then uh, and, and it kind of takes that same emotional turn. I, I, it, it resonates a lot with what you're saying. I'm very impressed with your ability to like be like, hey, this verse and this part of it set reminds me of this other song. Like, There were a couple songs on here. I was like, fuck, I know this reminds me of somebody. I just can't place it. Well, and you know, he's like, he's the master of doing that too. Like he's, con- I mean, that, that episode of song exploder where he breaks down that song, like he's constantly pulling riffs and like little bits of songs. Like he just has a way to like, you know, pull it all together. I'm sure he's, he's directly referencing a lot of stuff here too. Um, so Miriam, does he, does he have kids? I thought he has kids. He has kids, I believe. Yeah. So is that, does he have a daughter? Cause this feels like this, this song's about his daughter. Miriam. Uh, Maybe it's because I had Ben Folds on the mind and he has a song called Gracie about his daughter, but that's what this reminded me of. He has a daughter. It looks like a daughter and a son. Okay. So I think that's, I think this is definitely a song about his daughter. Uh, yeah. If whew, It's his daughter or his wife, but I definitely mirror image makes me feel like it's a child. Uh, yeah. And again, I haven't like looked at the lyrics, so I could be totally misinterpreting something, but uh from what I gather, that's that's what I got. Is so is this the part where it's like the demo, or is that the part that's is that a separate track? Um, no, that's like the outro of this song. Okay. Do you it's have like anything you want like... to talk about other than the outro of this song? Because I could spend another fucking hour talking about the outro of this. Song. Um, this song as a whole has brought me to tears multiple times. Um, really? Yeah. The. Really? Just the line, she is my mirror image, showing me who I am until the day that we shatter, she helps me understand. Like, fucking dude, dude writing about Zoom interviews, like writing about Zoom interviews on this album and like referencing, you know, that kind of bullshit. And then to bring that, like, he has moments of just like pure, his like he's just uh, exposing like himself completely in a good way, not, you know, in public. Um, 
I love the um, I love the outro piece of it where he's just like it sounds like he's just trying out like different lines, like improving different lines that didn't end up in just kind of the, the chorus section. And it's beautiful. It's sad, and it's it's obvious he's not reading off of one of his spreadsheets that he's coming up with these things and like these are the things that are coming into his head, and it's yeah, it's tragic. He just feels very controlled in that nature. I know what you mean of like... He does, he does. He seems like, um, uh, again, Ben Folds, who's had like six fucking wives. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who just like, there's something a little amiss. I could say that as a guy who's a, uh, who has been a full-on relationship monster. We can snow our own. And yeah, Rivers has got a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, for him to like, I mean, that's a lot of like what Pinkerton is too, right? Like Pinkerton, there's a lot of people who look back at that album and like content are just like, dude, I don't know how the fuck you got away with. It's like know. watch High Fidelity now. It's still a great movie, oh, yeah. but oh boy. <laughs> uh, have you watched the show High Fidelity from last year? No, and I'm afraid to now because I know it's supposed to be really good and they canceled it. Yeah. Oh, it's like, and the fact that they gender swapped it. Uh, yeah makes it that much it dude it fucking rocks it is so so good i'll watch it but it'll make me sad yes totally it it's will only like literally everyone watched it and it got plenty of ratings and they just kind of can't forget everything. uh-huh yeah 100 percent um yeah dude um heaven can't save this man heaven can't help this man heaven heaven turned his back on this man heaven shuts the door on this man jesus this, man, that's the heaviest shit he's ever laid down on the record um yeah i'd have to look back at like pinkerton the, and it's know, only the nose, but like fuck health god yeah he when he's on the nose sometimes i mean usually when he's very on the nose and blatant it's like uh a poor quality or like it's not a it's a weakness here it's like dude um even the composition of the song of like just doing this little interlude that's like this chorus section and then like the outro of you know all those different lines it feels very Pinkerton like they don't they're so polished as of recent they don't do this shit anymore so like the fact that they're like they're just kind of letting it flow and it feels more kind of off the cuff even if it is you know very thought out like it just this is you know he should do what he wants but this is like what a lot of people want from Weezer you know this is like bringing back that there's something there you know yeah there's substance to this album that's what yeah. I connect with there's nothing that's been that's I've never quite been able to put my finger on it, but there's been nothing for me to to grab. There's nothing tangible about most of the stuff that they've been putting out in the past several years. This one has it's relatable. It's it, it there's something there, and, and, and more than something. It's not just it meets the requirement or checks a box. It, it, it's yeah. something. Back to that. I really think so. So screens. It's pretty obvious. Very Brit Rocky again. Uh, it's I dig, it, I dig the beat, I dig the drive of it, but there's it's, it's kind of like I saw the title and I was like, yep, I'm sure a song about looking at our phone. And the message exactly. is there, but okay. It felt like he watched an episode of Black Mirror and was like, I'm writing a song about Batman, like mm-hmm. screens, man. Am I right? Getting in the cloud. Yeah. Um, I dig. It is very catchy. Again, it's like one of the ones, kind of like Grapes of Wrath, that really gets in my head. Uh, Bird with a Broken Wing. I heard this song one time 
didn't didn't hear it again. Uh, I heard it one time on Friday, and then I hadn't heard it again until I listened earlier this afternoon, and it was still stuck in my head all week. This is probably my favorite track off the, the album. Really? Yeah. This is a real uh, OK Go song, OK Go-ish adjacent uh, uh, song. Uh, I really, I dig this. I think uh, there's a couple. I can't think of the other one. I think it might be, it might be Alu Go Go Me, where the chorus kind of blue balls. Uh, it feels like it should. It, it loops back on itself too soon. It feels like it should be. It should keep going there, but it loops back on itself. It's it's interesting. I don't know. It does it, it it catches my attention. Yeah. He um, this one the most feels like for me like a composition similar to like something that would be on the White Album. Like it's it sounds like a really good song, like the best song from one of their last few albums. Like I don't think that's the thing is this is the one that that feels like this album really yeah this one feels because there's so much going on with the strings and it's just floaty in the way that i guess island of the sun kind of has that same ambience to it Uh, i can see that uh this song and the next song dead roses feels like another like intentional kind of somber lull where it gets a little more kind of melancholy and then it, it punches back up towards the end and Dead Roses is probably my lowest on the list song. It's just, it's, it, it, there has to be a loser, is it? Uh, it uh, it's funny because you say that it's somber. It reminded me of like when Jimmy World gets somber, but I just put J E W. You know, you know what? That's on them. That's not on you. It is. It is. Uh, <laughs> And then what was I, your, what's, what's the next one? Do you have anything to say about Dead Roses? I just, uh, there's nothing I, really about. I agree with you. Honestly, um, all my favorite songs I like. There's not a song on this album that I don't like, but it's probably my least favorite song. Um, Dead Roses is not as impressionable. Like, you know, it's it's That's not one you remember. Uh, but every time I hear it, I'm like, oh yeah, it is like, it's good. Um It reminds me of something and I can't put, I haven't been able to put my finger on it yet, but it reminds me of another band um it'll come to me but yeah it's just kind of it's good it's there uh but it's not a standout everything okay so everything happens for a reason is a completely instrumental it it is truly like an interlude i think it's like 24 seconds long and it's strangely late in the album for what it is yeah it has like a um some kind of like wind flute or something like that on it like very feels very eastern influence feels very pinkerton to me to, to say that again, uh, I really, I really like it. And the way it leads into here comes the rain is super strong. Cause it kind of lulls you in. It's kind of, uh, slower and like little, little sleepy timey. And then here comes the rain just comes like punching in. Yeah. So I want you to look at, uh, to point to any one part of here comes the rain and tell me which part is not a Ben Fold song. Because it's not <laughs> not the distortion at the beginning. It's not the chorus. It's not every verse. It's not every lyric. This this is just a straight up. This is in the best way again. I'm like my favorite artist, but oh boy, 
I, I would, God damn, would you go see a Ben Foles loser show? Like, come on. If they were doing this, oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's one of those songs that kind of has like, it's very uplifting and like upbeat and, you know, very piano driven. Um, but it's kind of like, the, it's one of those songs that's like, uh, musically sounds very happy and the lyrics are like, <laughs> which is, which is, sad. Like, which is no exaggeration, like my favorite type of music. Um, specifically, uh, love songs that are creepy as fuck, but sound like they're not, are my favorite. Uh, Possum Kingdom by Toadies. Uh, yeah. It's a very good example of, of like, of exactly what I like. Which says Dude, you know I'm a huge, like, Bleachers and Jack Antonoff fan, too. That's, oh, like, yeah. that's what he does, is, like, uh, 80s, like, New Jersey rock, very very pop rock, and then you get into the lyrics, and you're, like, fuck, you're dealing with some shit, dude. Like, <laughs> it's very, very deceiving. Uh, but that's, like, one of my favorite, yeah, one of my favorite go-to suits. Um, and then the last track is La Brea Tar Pits, which, I'll be honest, grow, like, I've always liked it, but it's becoming, like, one of my favorites. I really like this track, especially as an album closer. This is a very uh, kind of semi-sonic song. I can absolutely see that. It's uh, yeah, it's got that chill, groovy vibe to it. Um, I really like the, as I wrote it in my notes, the sexy, sassy '70s sitcom strings that come in. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I think they're great. They're so, they made Abby smile when we're listening to it. Maybe smile when you said just they're, now. They're just they're super. They're super bright and just kind of in your face and they're there and they're sassy and deal with it. Yeah. This is one of those things too, where it's like, it's very obvious of like where he leaped off of like La Brea Tar Pits and talking about, you know, dinosaurs and all these like things decaying and like feeling like he's sinking into it. But it's pretty introspective too. Like I do get a vibe of like him talking about like where he stands and what his legacy is going to be and like how this stuff is going to live further on. Like this one, I felt like, especially for a track to end on, it's like, another one of those things where I'm like, you're getting some stuff you haven't talked about before in a, yeah. in a Weezer song. Um, I do want to mention too, on the way here comes the rain, the track before this like ends, it's very much like a Broadway, like, oh, like ending, like it like really comes together and then like yes. seals off. Um, it's, it's good stuff. So it'd be exciting to see when Van Weezer comes, if it's yeah. like, Man, they really pulled off a one-two punch in 2021. Or is like, hey, they did a great album, and then they released like another piece of dog shit, like the Black Album or Pacific Daydream. I, I was like, is 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 the album that they didn't release yet? Is that the Black Album? And I looked it up. I was like, oh no, 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 no! I remember the Black Album now. We'll see, man. Well, um, I'm glad we could do this. I'm I'm so happy to hear like you you dug this album like. Um, selfishly like makes me really really happy i'm excited to live with it more and see what more i can pull out of it but i just like it's almost like a just a proof point and like a middle finger to everybody that like makes fun of weezer just like dudes fucking got it like it just makes me so happy for them to have that kind of success critically at this point in their in their career amen to that but with that i i think i don't remember how we end these fucking weezer episodes um but until well, next time one of them at the end of the other show too what other show? Huh? What? Huh? Uh, but until next time, uh, 
Beverly Hills. That's where I wanna be. Yummy, yummy. Living in Beverly Hills. Bye. I feel sick. <laughs>